outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Oklahoma. Meeting room and, and you're coaching how to be a linebacker and not, not coaching memorization on what gap do you have in this formation and this call. Um, not talking about how do we fit the power. Um, we're talking about how, you know, individually, how can you play the power better? Uh, within each call so there there's a you know once we've kind of gotten over this first hurdle with this with this group a year ago which there was a lot of fresh faces in that in that room a year ago um you should see a lot of you should see a jump in production and jump in efficient you know and just being efficient as as backers with our footwork and and how we fit within this defense and welcome to the inside ou podcast everybody that's how we're going to start and i'm so glad keegan uh, Renault sent me that video. I'm Brady Trantham. Thank you for listening to the Inside OU podcast. We are here at Vanessa House, as we always are on Thursdays. But I'm really glad you sent me that, Keegan, because um, you know how I am. You know how my brain, my OU brain thinks. Anytime coaches, especially new coaches, have talked to the media, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, you hear things like culture change and buzzwords like that that are coded language, coded language of like what Mike Stoops, Kerry Cooks, Tim Kish, and all those guys did fucking sucked. So we're trying to do things that just are more conducive to a successful football team. And so when our good friend Brian Odom says that, I'm, I don't want guys thinking of, like, which gap should they go through or what, or what angle should they take, blah, blah, blah. How can, we stop, how can we stop simple power plays? I can't help but think of Mike Stoops' last game with Kenneth Murray on simple QB power plays with Sam Ellinger going completely through the wrong gap. And this is Kenneth Murray, first-round pick, superstar athlete Kenneth Murray, who looked lost. And so I, I just it's just another day to be thankful to be an OU fan and that adults are finally in the coaching room. I'm so happy. <laughs> Brady, it's a <laughs> – it's like when, when coaches talk like that, it's refreshing, right, because – you got enough to know from, and if anybody, when you guys listen to the Mark Schofield interview that I will shoot over to Brady, that's done. When our patrons hear that, to any of you that want to join the Patreon, this is a great interview that's going to talk about more in depth about the game of football. Like we talked about how t difficult it is to explain things in a way that makes sense for everybody, right? Like Brian Odom did enough there to explain but as well to explain that it's nice that I don't have to tell people to go, hey, go to the B-gap. If, yeah. the, if the fullback goes left, you're going to the B-gap. Hey, if the H-back goes right, you're going to the C. That you don't have to do those things anymore. So, Oklahoma, welcome back to defensive football. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a little bit. You, you've got some players. First half of 2011, some of 2015, although that was kind of a mirage. 2013's defense was pretty good. 2013's defense was good, and Corey Nelson doesn't get hurt. It would have been much better. I don't know if that would have equated in OU beating Baylor that year in Waco. I think they still probably lose, but that's a different story. But, no, I mean, you're, you're right. It's just a lot of what you typically hear anytime, especially on the defensive side of the football, and not just at OU, but other programs, I've heard this – from other assistant coaches, defensive coordinators, whenever they take on a new job, because you're taking on a new job because the past regime probably wasn't very good. And so you hear a lot of these same buzzwords of, we just want to make it simple. We want to make these athletes just be athletes. And that was kind of what you kind of saw in 2019 with this defense. You just saw suddenly Neville Gallimore was playing like the athlete that he was. Suddenly Kenneth Murray 
was playing with the athleticism that we we can just tell that he has physically by looking at him. And I think now year two, year three in this system, you're able to implement more philosophical, systematic uh, lessons into your defensive players, and especially guys that you're recruiting. You're recruiting them for the sole purpose of playing in that system, and you're able to kind of uh, spread your wings in that respect. But I think the important thing is just overall the coaches on the defensive side of the ball, Keegan, they understand what's at stake here. OU has a chance to win a national title this year. Their offense is going to be very good. We were complaining about it last year, and it was still top two, top three in the country. So who knows how good they can be potentially this year. But for the defense, all you have to do is just simply your job. Just do what comes most naturally. Do what come, Do the most simple thing. And if you can do that, if all 11 guys on the field can do that, whatever combination they throw out there, OU's going to win all their games and potentially win a playoff game, potentially win a national title. Yeah, you're, you're looking at a situation with the especially this linebacker group that we're about to get into. They're so athletic. Like, Brian Osamo, we've talked about this on the Inside OE podcast. If you followed me for forever, if you followed me in the last year, however long it's been, you know I've been telling you Brian Osamo is super close. Damn it. This guy, I go through this whole, you know, he's obviously playing alongside David Igwebu in the spotlight that we're doing on him. Uh, Osamo is so athletic. Like, it's unbelievable. If, if, if you're you're talking about those things, like how can I play the power better? Like, I think this is a good example, and Landry Jones kind of got this a lot. Oh, no one likes it because he came after Sam, and like no, there's more. Oh, you fans are smarter than that for the most part, but I think coming after Kenneth Murray, saying that Brian Asmoa is athletic, immediately after Kenneth Murray leaves, I, I can see why OU fans are probably not as privy to that. But if you actually sit down and watch him play, I mean, just watch the Cotton Bowl, and I'll I'll give. A shout-out like I always do to our friends at West of Everest, Lee Benson and Grant Benson. They do a great job uh, on their podcast. But Lee and I, I their last podcast, Lee was kind of talking about, I don't necessarily think that Brian Asamoa is as athletic or has as high of a ceiling as some people are claiming. And I immediately texted him and was like, dude, he's going to be in the NFL. Like, that is an NFL player if, if the lights come on for him. The athleticism is there. It's For, him, for me, it's just apply that athleticism to the field because I feel like there are a lot more times where he's still trying to feel out the position. I mean, he was a running back in high school, so the speed is there. I just keep going back to the Cotton Bowl, which I understand Florida played their JV squad. I don't, I don't give a shit. But that fourth down goal line stop where he knew what was coming and just shot out like a rocket toward, to the uh, outlet pass and shut it down, I'm just like, do that consistently, and OU's going to have at least an all-conference middle linebacker in Brian Asamoah. And they're not just going to have an all-conference linebacker in Brian Asamoah. They're going to have a second- or third-round pick in yeah. Brian Asamoah. And alongside him is a man amongst men on the football field. Like, for recruit Knicks out there, whenever I see David Aguaybu play linebacker for Oklahoma – it gives me a lot better feeling about what Kobe McKenzie's going to be, right? Because you like you see these pictures and it's, he's just massive, like and he's put on too much weight, but they can harness that. I mean, that's the biggest thing from that quote that Brian Odom said at the beginning of this Brady that they're to the point to where they're fine tuning the way guys are playing. They're not 
having to do a bunch of overhaul of culture. They're not having to do a bunch of overhaul of fundamentals or maybe not fundamentals, but like alignment and, and formations and where they should be going on this play and this stun and, and this don't get too far up on this QB spy or Sam Ellinger is going to run right by you. Don't do that anymore. Like there's, there's, they're at a, they're at a point to where they can just go ahead and develop guys into the best players that they are. And, uh, you know, it's funny is I went and looked at the our reviews, which you always talk about me like not going back and looking at like the oh. podcast or Patreon. Or oh, this please or do, by the way. If you haven't done so, please go to primarily Apple Podcasts. And I understand not everybody listens to our podcast on Apple. Shout out to our friend Chris who listens on Spotify. Uh, I don't know if you can leave reviews on Spotify. But for those who listen on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't done so, please leave us I would prefer a five-star review and a nice little review, but if there's something that we don't that we do that you don't appreciate or we could do better, I'll accept that review yeah, as well. Su- for sure, and that's what I was going to One of the complaints is that we take too long to get into the podcast. Well, here you are. We got a quote to start off with, and we just this we, is the f- we just fastest. seduced you for yeah. eight minutes. Yeah, we this is the fastest that we've ever gotten into a podcast, and a lot of it is just because I was late. Uh, and that's not a big deal. Bingo, Bingo, Songo every Thursday at Vanessa House. Very, very fun. Broadway and Eighth. Broadway and Eighth in Midtown, down in Oklahoma City. Uh, Seven o'clock, like we said, every Thursday is when that starts. We do our podcast typically five thirty or six till seven when it gets loud and packed in here and then we pack up shop and go home but yeah we had to we had to jump right into it and it's completely my fault so no uh, no we're good no I what I love about this though is that this is something that is like so perfect to discuss because we've got a bunch of different things that we're going to talk about today that are of at the front of everybody's mind like like Trajan Bridges is that motherfucker he basically (laughs) announced himself back as okay like both of them did. Like that's my biggest thing. And let's let's wrap up the defense first. I want I want to touch on Aguayo a little bit. Once he and I texted, I sent you a video that's going to be on the uh, the film part, review. The film review that's going to go out when the when he's playing downhill. And I tweeted about it as well. When he's playing downhill, he's one of the best linebackers in America. Like that's there is no if ands or doubts about it because you know who exactly who he looks like when he's playing downhill. It's Kenneth Murray. He he does, but he's not. Like, you're going to see in this film review that there's plays that he should be able to cover sideline to sideline, and he can't. There's plays to where he should be able to scrape over the top of a lineman, and he can't. Yeah. And that's just – that comes with the territory. I mean, he's 6'4", 250 pounds. He hasn't lost a ton of weight yet. I, I said this. Yeah, or, or Kenneth had the speed. Mm-hmm. And he put on weight. And then he put on weight, but he didn't have the physicality of a Guaybu because even when Kenneth Murray earlier in his career – knew what gap to run through, there were times where he struggled to shed blocks. And it was just because he didn't play Mike in high school for a reason, and he played Mike at OU out of necessity as an 18-year-old freshman, which I believe is still the only time in program history that that's ever happened, an 18-year-old true freshman playing starting at Mike linebacker. And I still remember thinking when that was announced that that was going to be the case going into the 2017 season, I thought Ohio State's going to – kill him they are going to exploit the crap out of it and OU wins 31 to 16 you know he's biggest red herring you've ever seen of a defense for there's the, no uh, one there's there's not a game like in Oklahoma past that has surprised more people than that one can't explain it no it doesn't make sense because you still look back at it and I believe if you look at the touchdowns that were scored in that game and I've brought up this stat a lot you had 
a walk-on in Lee Morris caught a touchdown. You had a former three-star nobody recruit, Dimitri Flowers, caught a touchdown. You had a true freshman. Made a dude miss in the open field, by the way. Yes. You had Trey Sermon, who was a true freshman in the second game ever. In double coverage. Caught a touchdown. And you had Jordan Smallwood, who was a no A blocking wide receiver. That which I didn't know for a touchdown. I didn't that know game. that position existed in 2017, 2018. <laughs> and, and it exists now in 2021, but... Let's uh, let's wrap up the linebackers here, Brady. I, I you watch this group and you hear what Brian Odom says. Like I, I forget Deshaun White exists a little bit at times. <laughs> from a as Brady knows, a I was out front way ahead on the Deshaun White train in high school. Like before he got an offer from Oklahoma, before he committed to Texas A and M, uh, and you know a guy I did grow a, a relationship with whenever he was getting recruited, but. You forget he exists. He has his flaws. He's not a flashy player, but he, he can be sound and disciplined at times, which then leads you into the Shane Witter talk of the week, which is Shane Witter may be the fastest person on the team. I can't confirm that. I don't believe that. I can say that from watching tape, he has the same explosion as like a Brian Osamoa does, but it's not – it's not to that extent. Like, he's not that explosive, which then leads into what I'm about to bring up. You have two linebackers in Brian Asamoa and David Aguebu who are bona fide NFL players. I mean, they are. Like, I can say, I can say this. I sat down and just watched every snap David Aguebu played for an entire season. He's going to play in the NFL. And, and if I hate, and Brady knows this, I hate assuming guys are going to take leaps like as anything that I do because Me too. Of, Me because, too. because of Sam because of my getting burned on Sam Ellinger Spencer Sanders last year people did the same thing with him and he was still the, the same, same guy, guy who yeah. turned the ball over yeah and, and so with that being said like I hate taking leaps but you hear what Brian Odom is saying and then you plug in the tape and I just I can't be more excited to see what a 6'4 240 pound with a 6 foot 8 6 9 wingspan looks like playing linebacker that can go sideline yeah. to sideline as well as play the run game inside the tackles pretty well. Well, with Aguebu, because OU has, even during their down years defensively, they've had, in about every, about every team has had a freak athlete. Charles Tapper was a freak athlete. Jordan Phillips was a freak athlete. Kenneth Murray, freak athlete. Neville Gallimore. And you could say David Aguebu as well, just from a physical standpoint. And those teams in the past... Why this? Why those players may have been maddingly inconsistent for some OU fans, I mean myself included, was because the depth just simply wasn't there. So when you're depending on a freak athlete to flash, it's not great when that's all you can depend on. Now, if you have depth, you can you can see that flashingness as a luxury. If that's all David Aguebu becomes is just a guy who can flash big plays like he did last year then OU's depth can kind of accentuate that and help it be mm -hmm. a luxury. And I think with what Odom said of, like, having nine guys, and I think Eddie Rodosovich said it on the radio this morning on the morning show with Todd on the franchise, we don't talk about the linebackers that much, Keegan. Admittedly, uh, uh, you and I, like, when we talk about defense, we talk D-line and secondary. We don't talk linebackers that much, but this is the deepest it's been at OU way more than it ever was in the 2010s. So you're going back to, like, the days where OU was churning out buckus winners with Rocky Kalmus and Teddy Lehman. And even those linebacking cores weren't necessarily deep. They just had three to four guys who just fortunately never got hurt and were able to play their entire careers. 
But if Odom is true with like the amount of guys that he feels confident in that can play, and then you throw Caleb Kelly in the mix, if he's able to A, be healthy, and B, get on the field and make plays, th this is going to be the deepest linebacking core in a long time here. I th on that real quick, like Aguebu specifically and Osamoa, I will say like it does feel that the depth is playing playing to OU's favorite linebacker. Now it's outside of Caleb Kelly and Deshaun White, it's a little inexperienced. You've got Danny Stutzman, Jamal Morris. You don't have a ton of guys that are going to be in that room that are we're sitting here talking about them having an NFL future right now. So I want to be a little bit cautious on that, like in terms of projecting this because Me too. because like if Osamoa gets hurt, you're going to see a drop off between Osamoa and White. Like and that's my biggest concern is like I do have it in terms of a elite depth. Like I, I had a tweet out today, right? Like when you talk about OU positioning itself for 2021 and the fact that they're going to be rolling out guys like Jordan Kelly and Corey Roberson and Josh Ellison uh, along the interior defensive line, like that makes you feel a lot better because as we know, like Winfrey wasn't consistent last year. Like he was f for four, three, four games, he was completely dominant. I mean, but because they are so deep, you can you can have that luxury. Like sure. it, it becomes a luxury instead of just a God. I wish he was consistent. If he was, you know, that that reminds me of Jordan Phillips, where mm -hmm. you know he's so talented, but he just cannot put it together for either an entire game or a string of games. But when you're deep, you can kind of have that as a luxury while helping, ho or excuse me, hoping that he develops and becomes consistent. You know, then that's my that's my biggest point is like I, I want to be cautious on that because there's a lot of people that are looking at the linebacker room right now and saying, Aquebu is going to be Kenneth Murray. That's not true. Shane Witter, you know, you've got Caleb Kelly, Deshaun White. You've got these guys that have experience. I just I worry about the talent drop off. That's that's this is this is middle ground Keegan just bringing everyone down for just a second but I want to say again the excitement with Osamo and Aguebu is real like there's no ifs ands or buts about it. it it's on tape for anybody to watch um, you see it game in and game out the potential that they have especially again I, I know there's a, a lot of Osamo buzz right now especially from the NFL world but I could tell you from at least one person, I'll say his name on here. I talked to AJ Schulte quite a bit. If you guys like NFL draft and following it closely, go give him a follow. Um, that's not recruiting at all, Brady. I'm just letting <laughs> you know that. That's not that's not any kind of recruiting. But I, uh, you know, him and I talk about Aguayu quite a bit, and it's just like I sent you that video today. When the light turns on with Aguayu and he's going downhill and not sideline to sideline in terms of playing inside the box and making tackles. Um, he's a, he is going to be a load. There's a play in the Florida game you're going to see, and I bring it up a lot, and you've heard me bring it up, where he covered an RPO as well as the ball was handed off because he was covering it and made the tackle at the line yeah. of scrimmage. Like, no, guys don't do that. Normal guys that are jags is what we like. To, obviously, everybody <laughs> likes to, to label them as, as just another guy. Just a guy. Just a guy. Um. <laughs> This isn't that, like, at all. Like, these, we're talking about the guys that. I would love to be a Jag, by the way, in college for football. For sure. Oh, no doubt. The, you saw, it was funny. I was talking about, you talking about AJ. He sent me something today. Like, a guy got like a point .9, like, point .9 out of one, and the scale was at a 10. 
he goes, this is what a, a normal human would do at a combine. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, that is fucked up. But, he, uh, uh, but no, I, I, again, I, I want people to – you should – you have every right to be excited about the tandem of Igwebu and Osamoa. But the depth there, I'm just – I don't know how big the drop-off is going to be. But at the end of the day, like, I also don't know how much it's going to matter. And I'm sure we'll talk about the defensive line here within the next couple weeks. Well, I had one more question about the linebackers. But real quick, I wanted to drop a little programming note. Because I love our Inside OU listeners who aren't um, also patrons of ours on our Patreon page through the keyhole. Um, which, again, we are at 99. We would love to get to 100. That was our goal before the spring game. Was, again, we were at over 100. We got to 101, and then there we go. And then the month uh, turned to April, and then some people didn't renew, or some people just got new debit cards and forgot to put it down. Yes. Hopefully that's the case. They didn't delete it because it tells me if you delete your uh, patronage. Uh, but for our Inside OU listeners who are just Inside OU listeners, uh, Keegan and I have actually accrued uh, a bunch of interviews on the same week. It's just kind of the thing that happened. Uh, I got Jason Kersey. You got Nick Schultz, uh, who was a student beat writer at Loyola Chicago covering Porter Moser's uh, basketball teams the last few years. And, Keegan, that was a fantastic interview, by the way, so bravo to you. I, stuff I didn't know about Porter Moser, uh, stuff that got me even more excited for a hire that I was already excited for. So, and who, who was the other one? Oh, at, McClintock. At, yeah, McClintock from Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And that's an interview, like – not the I know you may not be an OU basketball person, but if if you're into like college football offseason fodder completely and you want every bit of it, you want to consume it, you want like McClintock just provided you every reason to be excited about Oklahoma. I yes, mean, and this is from this at the, from the aspects here of he said that Alabama and Oklahoma right now in a neutral field, Alabama would be a half point favorite. Whew. That's it. That's like a, that's exciting. Like that's uh, that's so nuts. I, I again. I and then Clemson, they'd be a three and a half point dog, which we can. As I said, I discussed with him on the on that interview. Like you can go. We feel less, and I know I've talked you into this feeling less about Alabama and Clemson for next season. Yeah. But like the data is the data. I mean, these guys have been doing it for since two thousand eight. Uh, they work directly with us. That's it. The big thing about what him and Bartu do that no one talks about. Like. Oregon, you can kind of hear it. Like he worked directly with Oregon to hire the right guy. Yeah, yeah. So like that's what they they work directly with athletic directors and head coaches across the country to do stuff. So if you're interested in college football analytics, this is a great deep dive for you into kind of what everybody's projecting. And I'll have more more analytical people on the podcast here um, pretty soon. Yeah, and that's all available for the four dollar tier. Like all the interviews in full. But because I love you, Inside OU listeners, I'm going to splice together all three of those interviews for like, you know, 15 minutes each of Kersey, McClintock, and Schultz. Um, put it all into one big podcast, and I'll put it out for you guys over the weekend. So you can have some more Inside OU uh, information, some more stuff to listen to over the weekend, of course. And then, of course, and then, yeah, like, I'm not going to lie, it's just a little bit of an extra advertisement. Advertisement, as our British friends would say, uh, for our Patreon page through the keyhole, which we would uh, welcome you with. Well, I'm wide open. <laughs> I've had a few beers, so I'm bust out some Creed. Uh, but my one question to you, Keegan, about the linebackers, and look, I'll admit, if you're listening to this podcast, I guess you kind of expect me to have a deep understanding and knowledge of every player and position and blah, blah, blah. But that's what Keegan's here for. So I'll ask you this simply. Where does the Shane Witter hype come from? And I ask that because... 
is it coming from he made two nice plays in the Cotton Bowl? Because you can go to any bowl game that OU wins, final game of the year, and guys who hadn't played all season long will play in those games for a multitude of reasons. One of them being like, you know, bowl game practice preps are like when the scout team mythologies begin. Like, oh, Sam Bradford's carving up. Trevor Nye was deep. Johnny Manziel. Exactly. So, like, that's where that all starts. And sometimes they can actually get onto the field in a bowl game, especially if OU is it winning big. Shane Witter makes two plays, but Unofficial 40 has been very consistent on talking about Shane Witter in that he didn't necessarily have a good Cotton Bowl grade, like, overall. So my question to you is, like, where is that really coming from? And I'm asking this because I just don't have that many memories outside of those two nice plays he made in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm not on the I'm buying stock in right now of Shane Witter. Like, that's not a guy that I'm sitting here going, okay, I need to make sure I'm ahead of this. I, I don't feel that way. So, you know, I, I look at this and I look at Shane Witter, and he's a guy that you – like like the the pieces and the everything that comes with who he is as a as a player and as a linebacker you like them but do you right now like do you love the output like no like there's a there's parts of Shane Witter's game especially when you take a deep dive where you go okay he has to improve on this before he gets better it's the same conversation i had with David Aguayevu that Brady knows that i will rightfully own um, I was definitely on board of him not moving inside to inside linebacker. But there's things there that he's going to have to grow upon, and it's it's clear. So which makes me think and sit here and go, okay, Awesome was gone after this year. Aguebu's likely gone after this year. So let's pause on the Witter hype a little bit. Great depth. Has a chance to be really good. One of the faster players on the team. Really explosive. Great athlete. But let's let's wait. 2022's I promise you it's right around the corner. Him and Mikey Henderson are gonna be on team wait till next season. I promise you, and we'll get into more Mikey Henderson as the spring rolls on um, and off season. But yeah, I, it's I think it, it comes from a place of you see his athleticism, you hear about it, you you hear how good of a kid he is, how invested he is into the Oklahoma program and being better as a player. And that gives you a lot to be excited about. But the like I said, the output, what, what he's put out there, shows that he's got a lot more growth um, than maybe we're all, we all think he does yeah. uh, right now. And it's going to be interesting to see if that can happen um, throughout the spring. And if it does, then he can be a guy that rotates it in the fall. And I think that's the important thing to remember when you're talking about depth on the defensive side of the ball. We're, I mean, just think about where OU's come from. When OU had to rotate guys in because it's football and all 11 starters cannot play every single snap of every single game that they're healthy for. That's just not realistic. They're rotating in guys who are not only inexperienced, but that are five foot eight or six feet tall or three stars, low end four stars that are, they, they were made four stars because oh, you recruited them and signed them. I know that's not how it actually happens, but whatever. Uh, but now OU is rotating guys who are inexperienced, but they're high-end four-stars or they're respectable four-star players. Like, the talent uptick is there, and you're always going to have to deal with inexperience when you are rotating guys in, but the level of play, the level of talent has just risen in such a short window of time that when you're talking about a guy like Shane Witter being 
a rotational player. That, to me, is way more exciting than it being Brian Mead. That, it, to me, is way more exciting than it being, uh, what was his name, Gastelum or Gastelum? Caleb Gastelum. Caleb Gastelum, and shout out to you if you listen to our podcast. Uh, but, I mean, walk-on or potential all-conference player, what, what would you need to start or play heavy rotational uh, snaps for your football team? Simple question, but I guess we uh, – do you want to get on to Trajan Bridges? You know, you know he's fucking like that. Oh, yeah, he is that motherfucker. He yeah. is. He yeah. is. That was a that was a warm. So level of nasty that uh, I mean, OU didn't necessarily have at the receiving core last year. You know, for obvious reason, there were some key injuries. Uh, but C.D. Lamb, you know, he was that motherfucker as well. He would let people know about it. You gotta love that. Marquise Brown would. He would let people know about it and that he would smile his golden grill at people as he ran away from them. But Trajan Bridges, Trajan Bridges, uh, vibe audit beers at Vanessa House, let me tell you. Destination Tra- Weddings? And Destination Weddings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good T- stuff. Tis the season for the good beer at Vanessa House. But Trajan Bridges, I always assumed, like, I never knew what his ceiling was. I, th- I know he's talented. I want him on the field. But I did know that dude plays with a level of nasty. That dude looks like he, he looks like he, he plays like a dog. He's not afraid to run those center of the field routes to get potentially, you know, to get lit up. He just plays football like a football player. And I want guys like that catching balls in this offense. And it's just he catches balls too. Did he catch that today? Yes, he did. God, we got to start the in the news segment. No, tell me what you told me, like um, the other observation from that highlight video OU's uh, football camp put out on Twitter. Oh, that Caleb Williams was the one that was throwing it. That's like the third video that they've put out. Like Marvin Mims, the catch from the first practice or second one. Like Caleb Williams, if you looked hard enough, he's the one who threw it there. What does it mean? No, it doesn't mean mean anything. I'm not not entertaining it. OU's social media account needs to be consistent and start putting Spencer Rattler highlights because, oh, can't have just one quarterback getting all the social media hype. Can't do that. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) Again, I am glad that Trejan Bridges and Jaden Hazelwood talked to the media today from the aspect of, like, people – how do you take that shit for granted? Like, I, I I sent that tweet out about the four wide receivers, like, being the best four in the country. Like, find me a four that's better than Mims, Weiss, Bridges, and Hazelwood. Like, I truly mean that. And people are like, oh, Bridges and Hazelwood have to prove it this year. And it's like, well, they were freshmen in 2019 behind C.D. Lamb. Like, of course, they're not going to play as much. And a and quarterback were, who would lock on. And, uh, and, again, I could pull up whenever I do the Hazelwood deep dive. People, Once I do deep dives of guys that haven't played a lot since 19, people are going to be very upset, again, at the uh, quarterback thing. Regardless, I, uh, I, I think that whenever you look at it, again, I'm at a point, Brady, to where I just don't realize, like, how can you take Trejan Bridges and Jaden Hazelwood on your roster for granted? Those are two NFL wide receivers. They... Bridges announced himself again today, which is nothing at the end of the day. It's just great fodder to talk about. And I told Brady before we came on that should be the name of this podcast as I'm effing like that, which is hilarious. But it's a good thing from my end of things that these guys spoke to the media, that everybody is reminded of, okay, these two guys exist. They're extremely talented. And I'll say this. We 
heard things during the fall last year that Bridges was just destroying the defense as a scout team member of the offense, wrecking them. Yeah. Like, go balls, yeah, yards after catch. Like, he was doing whatever he wanted. And basically from the aspect of what I was told is that he was the best receiver at Oklahoma. You, nobody's just watching it right now. And I'm not going to sit here and stir that Kool-Aid more than I already have, Brady, but I believe in the fact that I've said this. There's a potential here to where to get the best unit and best skill players on the field, it's only going to be two wide receivers, and I've said this, that maybe Jane Hazelwood and Trejan Bridges, who spoke today. Oh. Spicy. Well, is it is it because Marvin Mims is essentially a one trick pony? Yeah, I think it's because he doesn't block uh, for my liking, and I think he does look bigger. He does, he does. And it's it's another example of like the thing that the broken record of this podcast is. Imagine if all those freshmen last year who played heavy snaps had a regular off season of strength and conditioning, what they would have potentially played and looked like. Marvin Mims finally looks like he was in a college football D one blue blood off season strength and conditioning program he does that's for sure and uh, but I, i've said like bridges and hazelwood both are willing blockers like that's going to be a big factor to get on the field this year on a consistent basis so yeah i you know before we spend too much time on projecting things that we nobody's really seen okay i will say we've seen enough of hazelwood oh we've been we've been at practice we've got drones inside yeah. ou drones flying we, over we do we do my calc if you're listening to this that's not true um, but it is true. There's nothing you telling. Them. There's nothing you can do you're about not supposed it. To tell them. <laughs> uh, we have you surrounded. There's enough Hazelwood tape that I can sit here and say that he's going to be unbelievable this year. There's not a ton of bridges, which, but that's more of a, if you trust what we say and you trust what we hear, there's a, the bridges buzz is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, again, it's just going to have to come down to Spencer making that develop that leap in his development. Mm. Of trusting the play and not not forgetting about the center of the field and you know the underneath routes. Not that Trajan Bridges is going to be running a ton of those routes, but um, I think the thing with Spencer is just what makes you a, a truly special quarterback at OU under Lincoln Riley is the ability to balance it out across the field and not not from the standpoint of you want to keep everybody happy. Like that's not the important thing. But just from the standpoint of it makes it that much more difficult from a defensive standpoint to defend you if you're not locking on 100% to CeeDee Lamb, if you're not locking on 100% to Marquise Brown, if you're divvying it out to everybody and everybody gets two to six catches a game, like what do you do on top of, oh, yeah, you got to stop Kennedy Brooks. Oh, yeah, Eric Gray. Oh, yeah, Spencer Rattler can actually make plays as well when he absolutely has to. It's like it's a nightmare. So it's going to be indicative on him or imperative of him, excuse me, to make that leap in his development. I think he potentially could, and, uh, I mean, he's wearing the sweatpants at uh, practice, Keegan, so. Yeah, they're not too worried about him getting hit at all. They're not. I mean, yeah. why? I, I, this this guy's proven enough. He, there's no there, – there's nothing there. I mean, he's, he's going to be the first quarterback off the board next April in the draft. I mean, he's – you talk once you hear the Schofield thing. You hear from the NFL level. No one talks about what we talk about. They just talk about all the other positive things. If the Dolphins They're suck, positives. do you think they'll get Spencer Rattler? 
If Tua if, if Tua's not the guy, if I've I've said this, if the Eagles suck, that would be. I think Jalen's good enough to win five or six games. I don't know if that's good enough to get the number one. It's good pick. enough for them to trade up and get something. Sure, out of it. sure. Um, but no, he's going to be the first quarterback taken, which means he's more than likely going to be the number one pick. Which will, which means that Lincoln Riley actually can recruit quarterbacks from high school and develop them. Wait. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Oh yeah, that's. I thought that wasn't a thing. Oh, now that was a thing. Now it's just he can't perform barbecue procedure. No, he can't. No, he he obviously can't cook brisket. Has he not talked to the media this week? No, he should tomorrow. If if he again, need- I've said this. I've, if I know my media schedule right, he should talk tomorrow, or he will talk to Saturday. Let me tell you, if it's a Saturday Zoom session, T's and P's to my media friends. Zoom sessions on the weekends are the absolute worst. Try covering the NBA. They're every day. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that either. <laughs> um, I, I want to finish up with this. Like, you see the video Bridges. You hear Bridges and Hazelwood talk. That should give people enough confidence. I, I, I know the wide receiver group and Jane Hazelwood t- touched on that today in terms of we may have led the country and dropped touchdowns. I think you guys did. Yes. Yes. Jaden, I think Jaden, I, I, I think you did. I mean, Spencer Rattler. You didn't. Spencer Rattler, would he have had 40 touchdown passes in a rather, all things considered, average quarterback year at OU? 40 touchdowns. What did, he, what did he end up with? 32 or 28? 28 or 32. I could be completely wrong. I mean, he would have had more. His, his numbers would have looked a lot better, but uh, the fact that those word drops – magnifies the other issues, which well, is a great thing. I think the big thing was like his TD to interception. Yeah, 28. So 20. he would have had probably 35 touchdowns yeah, to seven it, interceptions. Yeah, because his touchdown to interception ratio would have skyrocketed with six to seven more touchdown passes. Oh, yeah. No, it would have. Yeah, it would have been a special year, and he would have. I think the biggest one that sticks out to my obviously head was the drops by Weiss and then the – if we're talking about everybody in general, Bridges in the Cotton Bowl, right? Cotton. No, no, no. Bridges in the Big 12 Championship game. Or Bridges in the Cotton Wow, how do I not know this off the top of my head? Um, regardless, Brady, the Jaden Hazelwood drop on the timing play on the back shoulder throw in the Big 12 Championship game on that third down that everybody was mad Lincoln threw it on. Yeah. That would have been beautiful. And that is, again, I'm glad that throw was made because we're going to look at this a year from now. And we're going to say, okay, he caught a pass like that. It's a good thing that they, Rattler is willing to be that aggressive because I think a, this season that pass is going to be completed. That's an NFL throw. That's an NFL catch. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a how you win and seal a big game. Um, I'm glad they did it. I'm excited to see what Jaden Hazelwood and Treasure Bridges bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, the easy assumption is that they will – I mean, if, if at the very least they're like they were last year, that's still the best That's the best group in the conference, even with all the drops. If those two play last year, we talked about this. If those two, they had Perkins and Stevenson for a full year. If those four guys played last year, mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Fair enough. Mm-mm-mm. Keegan, anything else? This might be one of our shortest podcasts ever, and again, it's my fault. I don't know if I'll. It's not your fault. I'll, I'll decide. I'll decide in the next thirty to 
minutes to an hour if I'll make a separate podcast with the other interviews or if I'll actually put them at the end of this because this is only going 40 minutes strong. We'll make it 45. We got five minutes. We haven't talked about Porter Moser Porter yet. Moser, yes. We talked about him on Patreon, but we haven't talked about it with you guys here on Inside OU. We mentioned him well, last week here at Vanessa House because that was the day that his name was first mentioned as, oh, he's in the running, and it surprised everybody. It did. And then the next morning, everything happened. And then following afternoon, everything happened. Then Saturday, it was made official. And then Josie called us out. Oh, yeah. Well, not called us. Let's say this. He called out the group of people that I could tell you Josie is aware that we knew he flew back in from Chicago on Thursday night. And, again, if people don't understand the origin of this, Red Dirt Sport has a Discord and a Patreon, which you should subscribe to. Oh, yes. I, I pushed that. I pushed that on the Monday Morning Post twice now. And in that Discord, there was someone that found a off-the-radar plane that you couldn't see the exact route when they were it was doing an un- anything. It was an unidentified flying object. It was. Yeah. And this guy found it, and it led to Norman, and it was a flight that originated – Originated. There we go. That was that was <laughs> that was the destination. We're, 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 fu- we're fucking up. It's um, that was the plane that came in on Thursday night, and <laughs> this is legend. This is legendary stuff. Someone from that Discord went to the airport <laughs> and was and saw the flight that landed, and they took the path. They took a secret path out of the airport. Which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's Joe. I see the crimson uh, blazer. Which Joe pretty <laughs> much confirmed that it was him. Which is that's that's what's so great about it. Um, that's that's beautiful. People that want to listen to a more in depth conversation can go to the Patreon where I talked to Nick Schultz, who covered Moser for five years at Loyola. Brady, I again made big time hire. I mean, uh, he may have joked around. I'm kidding. He may have accidentally said Loyola. He wanted to help enhancing the Loyola brand at his press conference, but. If you go back and watch his coaching clinics, if you go and watch anything on YouTube about him prior to arriving at Oklahoma, he's fidgety like that, man. Like, he goes from one talking about one thing to immediately talking about – he's he's like – it's like Alex Grinch on a basketball court. Someone put it in our in our Patreon. Perfect. It's like the speed D mindset's coming to Oklahoma basketball. Like, I, I believe that a 1,000%. He also added on to that thought whenever he spoke on Wednesday. Yeah, did you hear him on the franchise? I did not. Everything you hear about him, like written about him, about his high energy, like on the recruiting trail and in coaching, in game, I mean, it comes out when he talks. Like by now, OU fans have heard him talk at the press conference, but in that radio interview, this dude is ready. He is ready for, look, OU is not a blue blood school, but he, he talked about it. He was very candid in uh, growing up in Chicago how he viewed Oklahoma basketball. He was like, fortunately, Stacy King was on Michael Jordan's first uh, few championship teams, and I love me some Stacy King. And when I was a kid, I looked up where he came from. Oh, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma had all those great teams with Mookie Blaylock in the late 80s and Billy Tubbs, and Kelvin Sampson had the thing rolling for 15-plus years. Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald, Trey Young. He even mentioned Trey Young, Keegan. But he's fully aware that OU is a potential not super destination because if Indiana not Indiana actually did come calling to Loyola Chicago about Porter Moser and Porter Moser said not right now 
But if his dream school were to call if he is successful here, of course, that's always going to be a fear that you could lose him. But OU is a place that you can no doubt stay for a long time and have a successful career. And more than what Lon had here, because Lon was successful. He was, by the dictionary definition of successful, that's what he was. But in terms of what OU basketball fans should realistically, realistically expect, I think they should expect more, and I think Porter Moser can bring exactly that. I think the biggest thing with this and the thing that he's touched on the most is that he, he one, wants to plant roots here for a long time. He wants to hire assistants that have the same energy and enthusiasm about the program. Seems like he's he doing a good job so far. Yes. He's already marked off those two things. And I think the biggest thing here, you look at the commitment he got. We're talking about a guy that, from the Kansas City area, under-recruited for a long time, starts to blow up here the last two months. 44% three-point shooter in high school. Yummy. Defends his ass off. Everything you hear, he played for Mo Kane Elite, which, as anybody that follows basketball recruiting or basketball in general knows, it's the team Trey Young and Michael Porter played for. They've been a, had big-time connections for a long time. He knows what he's doing. Uh, KT Turner, um, the hire from the guy from Northwestern. Uh, and, he, again, there's just so much to be excited for. It could be a rough year one. Uh, we have, I can tell you, I haven't even told Brady this, we have some intel on Davion Horman that I can touch on. The, they feel like he's going to be returning to school. And Moser's been in contact twice already. He's been hired. He's been the official head coach since Friday. Yep. Or Saturday. S officially since Saturday. Saturday yes. So he can speak to people on Saturday. He's already spoken to the Harmons twice, and it's it was Wednesday whenever I found this out. Yeah. Uh, if Davion Harmon returns and you have Harmon, Harkless, Gibson, Jalen Hill, if they can avoid him leaving to UNLV, uh, yeah. I think you're looking at a team that's got a chance with Moser's coaching identity and what he wants out of a team. You're looking at a team next year that's got a chance to be pretty damn good. Yep. Well, everybody, uh, like I said, I'll put out an extra Inside OU podcast over the weekend of uh, some snippets from our Patreon interviews with Jason Kersey, uh, Adam McClintock, and Nick Schultz. We're fucking like that. Yeah, we, we are like that, just like Mr. Trajan Bridges. It's probably going to be the uh, title of this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you to Vanessa House for taking good care of us. They're about to start Bingo Bango Songo, 90s Rock, Prince, Elton John, Night Tonight. So that's actually kind of exciting for me. Uh, but they do that every Thursday at 7 with the great beer, the great music. So we look forward to that. Thank you to them once again for taking good care of us. And thank you to you, the Inside OU listener, uh, for sticking with us. And hopefully you appreciate us just jumping right the fuck into it tonight. There you go. Uh, hopefully yeah. you enjoyed it. And you gave us a great review for doing that. Yes, please do. We would appreciate it. But until next time, on Tuesday on Through the Keyhole on our Patreon page or Thursday for Inside OU here at Vanessa House, Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you guys later.